Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Concerns and conversations about how dark his skin might be when he's born. What? And who... Who is having that conversation with you? What? So, um... There is a conversation. Hold up. Hold up. There's Stop several right now. There are several conversations. There's a conversation it. with you... With Harry. ...about how dark your baby is going to be? Potentially, and what that would mean or look like. Ooh. And you're not going to tell me who had the conversation? I think that would be very damaging to them. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. Now I gotta tell you, this episode is coming out a little bit later than it usually does. Why? Well, my goodness, y'all. The Super Bowl happened on Sunday, and by that I mean, obviously, Oprah's interview with Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. Now, something told me, Kara, you need to watch this. And wait and talk about it for Monday's episode, even though like, I want to say maybe 15% of me was like, this is going to be a little bit fluffy, fun, light, let's get to know Megan and Harry and about their lives in California. And we did get that, but damn, Megan and Harry came out to fucking Santa Barbara or wherever the hell, Montecito or whatever the hell they live 
and they just let the chopper spray all over those beautiful lush gardens that they were sitting out there interviewing in. Wow, you guys, that was an interview. And honestly, like I really forgot about how good of an interviewer Oprah is and how interviewing people is a truly, it's a skill that involves like psychology and sociology and all of those things. I miss Oprah interviewing people, you guys. I want that old thing back. I want that O thing back. That was such a great interview. So there was so much to talk about in the two hours that they sat down. We just got to get into it. I, I mean, just from point one to the end, I was like, wow, wow. Truly, the most boring parts were the very beginning and the very end, like the first two minutes and the last two minutes, and the rest of it was fucking content. So, wow. Okay, so Oprah does, you know, your typical TV show interview introduction where it's like, you know, they talk about their role in romance and their their story and how, you know, January of 2020, the couple rocked the world by announcing that they would be stepping back from their royal duties. And so Megan, they're outside doing an interview. Megan walks out, if you can call it a, that, because like I said, they're outside. And <laughs> let's just talk about the fits, right? I thought Megan looked absolutely gorgeous. She's what, due at some point in September, or no, in the summer. And she's wearing a black dress and just stunning and had like an embellishment on one of the shoulders. It was just like a really cute look. Oprah, a vision and mauve. She, the round glasses. I'm loving the round glasses era of Oprah. I'm loving the like light brown highlights portion of uh, her hair, her curly, beautiful hair. And she just looks and is very expensive. And I just loved it. I loved it. I loved her color scheme and I love the like lavender rimmed glasses. So <laughs> Oprah says, wow, I can't believe you're actually pregnant. Wow. And Megan says, I know. <laughs> now you guys, I don't really know a whole lot about Meghan Markle. I know about suits. I know about her opening up the suitcase on that game show. Um, beyond that, I really don't know like a ton about her. And I do know a fair amount about the Royal family. I read a probably 600 page biography all about, uh, Queen Elizabeth. And I just like something about the Royal family is so fascinating to me. And it's not because I find their lives to be enviable or anything like that. And I thought Harry did a really good job of talking more about that. But I just find the whole like, especially in watching the crown, what we're dealing with is the evolution of like, Basically, Queen Elizabeth is the last vestige that they have of like the old school royal mentality, right? And to see like just the evolution of what has happened in the decades since she's been uh, queen and 
with the advent of so much technology and just even though you know Jasmine you said that the royal family is a stabilizing force and I do believe that I think it's also like a lot of it is just very outdated and I'm really curious to know like what does the UK royal family look like post Elizabeth because I think it's just really going to go to shambles there's nothing in my body from what I see but from Charles or William that makes me think that they are going to be able to successfully navigate uh, you know the sort of royal status that Queen Elizabeth has been able to uh, um, uphold so what I also thought was Going into this, I was like, okay, so I didn't know. I thought this was going to be a joint interview the entire time. But the first part was just with Megan. And then the second part was with them as a couple. We never get Harry by himself. Um, yeah. So what I found interesting was like, I want to see what it's like to have, to hear what Megan has to say versus how Harry addresses it. Not because not only because it's his family, his literal family, but it's also like, he's been so steeped in this like Royal protocol. Like I was just very curious to see like how, if he got it, if he understood. And I think we're going to have to talk about that more. So we start off Ober begins the interview by saying, you know, issuing these disclaimers that Megan didn't know about any of the questions before. Nothing was off limits. Nothing was barred. Um, she did not get paid for the interview. All of that. Um, so Oprah asks about the wedding. And she asks Megan if she felt like the whole ceremony was an out-of-body experience. And she shows a picture of Megan walking down the aisle and like how ethereal she looked and how it just must have been, it must have been so strange. And Megan says, you know, actually I was very present and I made a point to be very present in the, in the moment and I got a full night's sleep the night before and that she and Harry just wanted to make it fun and live and remind themselves that it was their day. But then she corrects them by saying, you know, like it really wasn't a day day for them it really wasn't their day it was a day that was planned for them as part of the protocol of being a royal right so then oprah says you know you married into a 1200 year old institution and what did you think about going into this uh, relationship right so this is something that i have always like of I fully support Megan. I think she's incredible. I think she seems very smart and very warm and kind. I think she's like a little too corny for me. I don't, I think she would think that I was a little bit rough around the edges, <laughs> but I do think this is the one thing that I, I, I don't want to say I take issue with it, but I was like, mm, girl, what? She says like, she really didn't know anything about the Royal family that going into it, she said she she claims that she had never looked up Harry online when they were dating and she's not done any research on the family and obviously she was aware of them, but she really didn't know anything about them. Fair. I've seen a lot of 
the one of the great things when something like this happens is Twitter. Twitter is great for these moments where like everybody wants to talk about something that's going on on TV or whatever. We see a lot of really great conversations. So obviously we have America versus UK and how they manage things, but also like people are asking, you know, for people who, you know, for black Americans, how present was the British Royal family in your life? Did your parents talk about it? Were you familiar with it? And a lot of people did say, you know, no, this is not something that my parents talked about. And personally, I don't think I ever recall like my parents really talking about the royal family either. From my understanding, a lot of this is like if your parents were immigrants, like Jamaican immigrants, Caribbean immigrants, countries that were, you know, part of the the um, UK, uh, those were the people that were really like more of like Princess Diana stands, not really royal family people. So Megan brings up a good point. She's like, you know, even though she wasn't really aware of them on like a pop culture level, she said, you know, there was no way to understand what it was going to be like to be a working royal. She's like, I never understood like what the day to day of that looks like. She's like, there was just nothing that I could have prepared for. And so Megan said she was you know, there's a, you know, perception versus reality of what's going on within the royal family. And she says, you know, what Megan feels like she's being judged on is the perception of who she should be or what her role is in the royal family. But she was living in the reality of whatever was really going on behind the scenes that the public doesn't know and they're not aware of. Now, my only issue is, like, if I know a guy and I'm interested in him, and I know, even if he's not on social media, I will do a Google search, girl. Now, you're telling me that you had a wealth of information about a man at your fingertips from the time he was born until now, and you didn't go on Ask Jeeves in incognito mode? You know? (laughs) Something that there really wouldn't be a trace of what was going on. That is wild to me. That speaks to a confidence that I will never have. And frankly, I don't because, you know, stalking people on the internet is a lot more fun. So then I think we get into something that is prevailing throughout the entire interview, which is the praise for the queen. It seems like Harry and Meghan have a really good relationship or at least something that they're a relationship that they're not dumb enough to fuck up on public television. (laughs) But it does seem like they really take to her and that it just sent like, it felt like the prevailing sense was that like, oddly enough, you would think that the queen would probably be the harshest one out of all of them because she's the one who has to live this life of like protocol. But also they make it seem like she's so warm and so loving and Uh, Megan was telling Oprah a story about how uh, uh, the queen was one of the first people in the family that she met and that they were over at Andrew and Fergie's house. And that was our only mention of Prince Andrew, by the way, and that they um, they were over there on a Sunday. The church, the queen goes to church every Sunday. And so they found out while they were there that the queen was going to come over to the estate. 
after church. So she said, you know, she was warm immediately. Um, on the car ride there, she tells a story about Harry asking if she knows how to curtsy. And Megan was like, oh, I thought that was just like something that the royal family did in public, like as a show of respect or, you know, like a show of like the protocol. Um, I did not think this was something that people did like in real life. (laughs) So she turns to Harry and says, but it's your grandmother. And he told her she's the queen. (laughs) And but she said like she was very warm to her that they went to um they had an event that the queen had invited her to attend and the beginning of their relationship and how it was chilly and they were on the train and the queen offered her blanket and just like very very nice but she says you know the interaction her first interaction with the queen was lovely and easy and she says actually i thank god that i didn't do my research because i really would have been in my head about who it was that I was about to meet. So it appears that they're interviewing at some neighbor of theirs home. So we do get like these like fluff clips of, you know, um, Megan and Harry at home in Santa Barbara. And we see them in the, the chicken coop that's titled Archie's Chicken. And we see the dog that she rescued named Gary, I think his name was. Um, and you know, the hens and the chickens that they rescued and just talking about like, you know, oh, animals are so important to Megan. And like, I thought really that the interview was going to be a lot more like that just like fluffy seeing them in a good positive you know uh, you know a happy interracial beautiful couple just with a bunch of chickens that they rescued and now they're living in Santa Barbara just a simple life in a multi-million dollar mansion in California right (laughs) so um while feeding some of the chickens and Oprah did help she you know in the mauve outfit did help feed the chickens um Megan reveals that she and Harry actually got married three days prior to the royal wedding and it was something that they decided to do to you know just have some part of that marriage wedding be for themselves so at this point we get into the beef Oprah starts asking Megan about her reputation and the headlines about, you know, the first big headline they mentioned is about how Megan had allegedly made Kate cry, Kate Middleton, right? So, you know, Megan says, I really don't want to be disparaging, but it was actually the opposite, meaning Kate had made me cry. So what happened is, and this is something that I really, I this feels very housewives to me. So apparently what happened is that in the days leading up to the wedding, that there was some issue with the flower girl dresses, the ones that Kate's daughter would be wearing. And Kate, I guess, said something smart. Apparently there was, you know, leading up to a wedding, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of emotion, all that stuff. Kate said something smart to her and Megan cried and she says you know she apologized to me she sent flowers after it and then we find out the timeline of this is that this didn't wasn't a story that came out right after the wedding this was something that came out six or seven months later so it feels you know we're getting into why this would happen so many months later 
what, what's the purpose of that? You know, let's unpack that a little bit. Right. So, um, I mean, Megan just says, yeah, it was about the dresses. She did make me cry. I don't really think it's fair to continue and talk about this and not hear Kate's side of it because she has apologized to me and I've accepted her apology. And I thought that was actually very classy. But then Oprah says, okay, well, if everybody, okay, let me pause here because there is a lot of mentions of two different things that Megan mentions, the firm and the institution. My understanding is that the firm is the Royal family the active members of the royal family and also like their handlers, right? And then the institution are the people who are upholding just like the royal family itself, not the immediate people, but like the people who are uplifting the the protocols and who are like working really hard to maintain this like prestige and power of the royal family by making sure that all the traditions and shit are in the bullshit in Megan and Harry's case are upheld. So with regard to this article, Oprah asked Megan, okay, well, if everybody knew what the truth was, why is it that they did nothing to say, Hey, this is not what happened. You know, why did nobody say anything if everybody knew what the truth was? And Megan says, you know what? That's a good question. <laughs> and she says, you know, there's this idea of polarity between Kate and I. And I just want people to know that, like, you don't have to hate me if you love Kate. And you don't have to hate Kate if you love me. Like, it doesn't have to be that way. This is something it, it, I, you get the impression that they're not like on great terms, but they're also not it seems like they have an understanding to that. Like they're not going to get along. They're two very different people, but she can respect, you know, they can respect each other from their perspective corners of the world. So then Oprah talks to Megan about the other headlines uh, with her and Kate, like how there were several um, articles that were praising Kate over the course of her pregnancy for doing certain things like, you know, holding the belly in public and eating healthy meals. When Megan, when it was being reported on with regard to Megan, people were slamming her and like, oh, look at how obnoxious she's being holding this baby bump that she has and like, fuck her. You know, it was basically just everything Kate can do, Megan cannot. And, and it gets to like a fever pitch towards the, um, end of the interview. So then Ober points out, you know, you came into the situation, you're American, you're biracial, you're divorced, you're independent, you were working. And, you know, did you ever think about the differences that you had coming into this family? And Megan says, you know, I'm actually grateful to have had that life experience where I was able to speak out about things and, you know, then I joined this family and I was silent. And Oprah says, were you silent or were you silenced? And Megan says the latter. (laughs) And then Megan says, you know, it was not until she married into the family that she realized that not only was she not being protected, 
but that people were lying about her in order to protect other members of the family. And like I said, Megan says again that the, the queen has always been lovely to her, that they want Elizabeth Lizzie to be excluded from this narrative. Right. And she says, you know, it's important for me to compartmentalize the family and the power behind them. And I think she's pretty good about doing that with the ones that she likes, but then there are other ones who really use the power behind them to be evil and nasty. And this is me talking, not Megan. Um, and so it's basically like, fuck them. And, oh, I cannot wait to talk about that. So, okay. Ooh, it, ooh, this is the part that infuriated me and everybody the most. So basically, Megan sets this up of... They kind of... That the rumors were not true. That we had all gotten the perception that Megan and Harry chose to leave, that this was not the life that they wanted for themselves or for their kids, and that their stepping down from their royal duties was a decision that they had made entirely on their own. But Megan pretty much heavily hints at slash says, that's not really the truth. The truth is that basically since I started getting, since I got pregnant with Archie, it was becoming very clear that they did not want to fuck with us. And it's pretty much said at some point, several points throughout the rest of the interview going forward that it's because they're fucking racist. So Megan starts by saying that when she was pregnant with Archie, um, they were told that Archie would not be receiving the royal title as prince and that they would not be giving him security, which goes against the protocols for all the other kids, not just because they're William's kids, but because Charles is next in line to be the throne. Everybody in his family from the grandkids, the great grandkids should have security protocol. That's just the way it is. When um, Charles ascends to the throne, that everybody gets security, everybody. And also that those grandkids should get titles. So they said that they also, they mentioned, you know, we all see these pictures of, you know, Diana and Kate after they give birth, they go out, um, you know, outside the hospital, outside the Lindo wing <laughs> and they show the baby and they're holding the baby and it's a happy couple. And, you know, the woman's probably wearing a diaper underneath her dress and she's probably highly uncomfortable and just actively bleeding. But, you know, we got to get this picture, right? That never happened with Harry and Meghan. And that happened. It didn't happen because the institution did not allow it to happen. So this is where Oprah's like, okay, yeah, we're all led to believe these certain things, but it seems very clear, like you're trying to make it very clear that the, all these protocols that were happening, these protocol changes that were happening, were happening through other people, not because of Meghan and Harry. So then, Oprah asks if she thinks, do you think that this happened because of Archie's race? And Meghan says, you know, Basically, it would be very hard. It would be very difficult for me to say no. <laughs> and then she drops 
a, a, a bomb that was uh, so mind-boggling. She tells Oprah that she found out through Harry that Harry, one of the royal members, had had a conversation with Harry about how dark Archie's skin would be when he came out. Huh. <laughs> okay. Oprah obviously asks, who said that shit? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> and she doesn't want to say. Megan says, I, it would be very damaging to them. So I don't want to say who it is. And then Megan says, you know, I don't, <laughs> she makes it very light and bright. <laughs> she says, you know, it was a very pageant answer of like, I just don't understand. Like most of the, you know, countries that are part of the Commonwealth are black countries or countries where people are of color, like 60%, 60 to 70% of the Commonwealth are not white people. So it's strange to me that they would not embrace my child and want to have basically how it's like, it would be a good look for people to in the Commonwealth to see that there is a person of color in the Royal family to um, uh, upload their colonial um, ways of life. I don't really know what she was thinking about that, but uh, okay, girl. <laughs> so clearly after this, at this point, Twitter explodes with who said that? Who said that? Who said that? So I put a tweet out and said, well, who do you guys think asked? And I get several answers, most of which were um, Charles, William, and Philip. What I saw when I looked at Twitter was that Camilla, <laughs> that Camilla was the number one trending topic for who everybody thought it was right after that question, right after that, um, that quote was said on, on TV. Um, okay. So then Oprah did an interview on CBS this morning with Gail and she said, girl, obviously, like I tried to get it out of them. They didn't tell me um, on camera or off, but Harry wanted to, um, Harry noted the importance of me knowing that it was not the queen and it was not Philip. And I think that's very interesting. So to me, Philip seems like the obvious answer, right? But I also feel like Philip says wild shit all the time to the point where it's like, you can't even, you know, you're just surprised that he's still breathing. <laughs> he's just like that old relic Nazi who he just feels like he says just like really inappropriate things all the time. So to me, that was like, okay, I don't feel like that would be Philip because it feels too on brand for Philip, if that makes sense, you guys. So to me, it seems like the obvious answer would be William or Charles. So we'll talk about why I think that is later. So then... We get all the, like, gossip magazine talk about, you know, um, 
and how it really took a toll on Megan's mental health to the point where she was having pretty clear suicidal ideation. So if here's a trigger warning for you guys where it talks about mental health and, and suicide and her um, thoughts on that. So trigger warning for that, right? So, you know, she starts off by saying that like, this shit was really real for me. Things got really scary and I didn't really want to tell Harry about it and the thoughts that I was having because I felt like because of his mother, he'd been through enough with loss and grief and I didn't want to put that on him. But I also knew that if I didn't tell him that I would do it. And that was really profound. I think that was really, really, um, like it made me emotional, right? So Oprah says, you know, okay, if you're in a situation like that, how do you go about getting help? And Megan says, you know, I went to these people in the institution. I went to the higher ups. I went to HR basically. (laughs) And, um, I told them that I need help. And they told her that basically it wouldn't be a good look for the family. And then she says, you know, I can say that I tried to have several conversations with see with senior members about how this was like a really, really scary point in my life where my mental health was at stake. And they basically were just like, yeah, we understand, but they never did anything. So then Oprah's like, okay, did you ever think about checking yourself into a hospital? And Megan was like, that's exactly what I wanted to do, but what was I going to do? Like call an Uber from the Royal Palace <laughs> to the, to like a rehab? Like, what it, what do you want me to do? She's like, you know, I gave my car keys and my passport, my ID, all of this stuff went to the family after we got married. Like I didn't have a- any way to do that. Like there was no, there was nothing I could do. And then she says, you know, she was having like, uh, this part really got me. She, they show pictures of this event that they went to when, um, Megan was pregnant and, uh, Megan says, you know, she was having a lot of very specific ideas. Um, she was talking, she talks about being lonely and Oprah says, were you feeling lonely with regard to Harry? She's like, no, he was like the one thing, like our relationship was fine but he would have to go away or I would have these thoughts in the middle of the night or I would be alone. And like, I would, you know, I would get to a dark place and they had to, I guess she told Harry how she had been feeling the next day they had to go to an event an appearance. And Harry was like, I really don't think you should go. He had to go, but she was like, I, you know, you're, they, they went to a play. They went to a play. Um, and she says, I'm afraid that if I'm alone, it's not going to be good. So they went and she said, you can see in pictures where Harry is holding my hands so tightly that his knuckles are white or, and then she was talking about how basically she just, as soon as they were in public, put on a brave face you know, we were up in these box seats or the the hall that they were doing the play. And she said every time, like, basically Harry would be coaching her. Like, as soon as the lights would go down, 
she would just start crying and he would say, okay, the lights are about to go up. They're about to put a spotlight on us. Like, you know, pull it together. Not, not pull it together in an insensitive way, but like, you know, people are going to be watching us. She does mention just very brief mentions of Diana that she forged, she ended up forging a friendship with one of Diana's friends and that that friend has been really helpful to her and having conversations about just the whole thing, the whole situation she's in, but also like her mental health, right? So then Oprah says, wow, Megan, you're really revealing some pretty shocking things here. And Megan says, oh, I, well, I mean, just telling you the truth. I'm sorry. I'm shocking you. <laughs> and they, they both start laughing. And so then this, we get to the second hour. So Harry comes out and Megan had waited to reveal that they were having a girl until he came out. So uh, we love her. Shout out to you, Princess Diana. Uh, part two. She's got to put Diana in that name, right? Like she has to. Uh, I hope she names her Rihanna and Diana Windsor, Mountbatten Windsor. That's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> so, um, you know, like I said, I was really curious to see like somebody who is bit, who has been media trained their whole life. Like we can't, you know, it, it's hard to, hmm. I'm trying to play devil's advocate by saying like, you know, of course, Megan is also media trained and she's also an actress. I genuinely found her, uh, interview, her portion of the interview to be very, uh, I found her to be very intelligent and very well-spoken. And if she did not get the questions prior to this, I thought this was like an incredible conversation that they had and she really held her own. So to counter that with somebody like Harry, who has <clears throat> grown up being heavily edited, heavily coached, heavily trained his whole life. And also is part of this institution where it's like 10 times more important than it would be for like an, you know, like an A-list Hollywood star to maintain your brand. Um, I just wanted to see like how, how his brain works, you know, like we see these clips of Harry and we see like he was on James Corden and he did an interview and it's like, every time we see Harry, it's like, yeah, he seems like a cool guy, but he also seems like a cool royal, you know, like he seems like a cool guy for somebody who was in this very shitty situation and grew up in this family, right? But is he, does he get it? Does he understand? And I think the answer to that is he's, he wants to. <laughs> and in that way, like, I feel a lot of empathy and he does bring up, like, things about his father and his brother and all of that. So, um, Harry says, you know, that basically they decided to leave because they were asking for help and they weren't receiving it. Now he says this in like different variations throughout the interview. Megan basically says that she feels like all the rules change for them specifically. And, they change for them specifically because of, uh, I was going to call her Rachel, which is her name, because of Megan's background, right? So, or her race, 
So then, you know, Megan says, what we were trying to do by, like, stepping back a bit after all this media attention was not reinventing the wheel. She's like, there are plenty of people who are in the royal family, who live on the grounds, who get paid by the royals, who get to really pick and choose when they're out there publicly supporting the queen and going to these events and when they're not like we were just trying to do that to be like a little bit more on our terms about what we did so she didn't really understand like why they were treated so much differently than everybody else he was free to do that Harry says you know what he sensed was that this was about to be a history repeating itself situation with regards to his mother but with Megan you compound social media and her race and the pressures of both of those things and it made it that much more difficult and Harry said you know I knew us getting together was going to be a thing and Oprah says do you mean because she's biracial and he was like no just basically like I'm that bitch girl. Like anybody I date, it's going to be a thing. Right. Um, and he says, you know, honestly, like he said something interesting and this was the first time where I was like, okay, he doesn't quite get it. So he says, you know, I didn't really think about the implications of being with somebody biracial, Because I had already done the work. And so it really wasn't like a big deal to him. But then he says, you know, I basically like there are other members of my family (laughs) that have different opinions and who have not done the work that I have. And so they have their own feelings about my relationship. Right. So Oprah asked, you know, Harry, just give me like, what is your simplest answer for why you guys left? And he says a lack of support. So Oprah asked Harry, like if the rumors were true, that there were these headlines about how the news about them stepping back was blindsiding to the queen and that she had no idea. And Harry says, absolutely not. I would never blindside my grandmother. She's the queen and she deserves more respect than that. He says he feels like, those headlines came out from somebody in the firm, meaning that somebody in the inner circle, whether it be an actual family member or one of their team was the one who put it out there that like, that um, the queen had been blindsided. Despite the fact that when the queen made her announcement about their announcement, she had said we had had ongoing conversations over the course of months leading up to this official's announcement, even though I'm upset about it, I love my family very much and family's, you know, what's important, right? So even though she publicly stated that this couldn't have been a blind sighting because they had had these conversations, that it didn't, that part of it didn't really pick up to people and that they really only saw this as like a complete betrayal uh, by Harry and Meghan towards the queen, so they start talking about how, you know, they had initially planned to move to Canada before they moved to California. And they, you know, were trying to, you know, still live within somewhere in the Commonwealth, but like kind of be separate. And then he says, um, you know, before my father stopped taking my calls, 
dot 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 and I blacked out at that point honestly (laughs) never okay so here's the wild thing about Charles for those of you who don't know Charles had a shitty reputation like his entire life he was kind of known as the like the only phrase and I hope this isn't offensive I don't think it is because nobody says it is like namby pamby <laughs> I don't know if that's offensive honestly and I'm getting nervous that it might be but you know that he was just kind of like wimpy royal that he wasn't tough that he wasn't like strong like his father who was you know in, in the world war and that he just was kind of like just kind of ugh. Like, people just never really liked him. Like, they thought he was kind of, like, bratty and just, like, yuck, right? But, you know, and then, of course, with the Camilla stuff and the Diana stuff, like, his reputation could not have been worse, right? But then it seemed like after Diana passed away that Prince Charles had gotten this reputation as being, like, you know, first he was kind of a hands-off father, but then he was very present in very present in his son's lives and that they became a lot closer after Diana's passing and all of that, that those five words (laughs) before my father stopped taking my calls, that's seven words. Um, before those seven words, (laughs) that just like, it blew my mind because as far as I know, like I didn't, I don't remember hearing about there being discord between Charles and Harry. I knew that there was stuff between William and Harry, but to say that like your dad stopped taking your calls because basically like if you want to boil it down is that Harry was doing the thing that Charles would never do with Diana, which is protect his wife. And that basically Prince Charles, like, couldn't handle the fact that Harry was really being a man and standing up to the family. Something that, like, even if he wanted to, he couldn't do. That he, it was just wild to me that he would mention that there was a time, and that time might still be happening, that his father stopped taking his calls. How fucking evil is that man? He can choke, honestly. He can choke. That is, like... I mean, just like the level of evil that you know that his mother was killed because in some way, because of the royal family, whether it just be if you want to believe the conspiracy theories that the family had something to do with it and cut the brakes or whatever, or if you just want to be a little bit more reasonable and say that, you know, she was a product of this royal family and became very famous and because of that there was like a fever pitch of people who were chasing her and following her and wanting those pictures of her right in some way the royal family is responsible for diana's death like i stand firm on that so for you and by you i mean charles so for charles to know that his kid's mother (laughs) was lost Because in some part of the institution was responsible for that. So for you to watch your grown adult son be like, I don't want this to be a my mom part two. And that you would stop speaking to him. I mean, just 
bitch, disgusting. Like, what is wrong with you? Like that, fuck the protocol, fuck like the, how institutionalized these people must be by the royal family and the pomp and circumstance and the bubble of it all. But like, fuck that. Fuck that. Like an ounce of humanity, Charles, could you drum it up? Ugh, that's truly disgusting. Then Harry said something interesting about Megan and her mental health. And he said, you know, honestly, because of the way I grew up and the fact that we never talked about mental health. And basically it was a conversation of basically if you go through a bad thing or if you have a rough time within that family, that they basically tell you to get over it because they've all had to deal with shit and they've all gone through stuff and just stiff upper lip, toughen up kid. You'll do fine. Right. He says that he was basically like ashamed to tell his family about that because Nobody in his family ever spoke about stuff like that. And Harry said that a true breaking point for him was when all this bad stuff was coming out about Meghan. Over 70 members of Parliament on both sides of the aisle came out in support of Meghan, telling the media to stop talking about her and stop treating her so poorly. And nobody in his family has publicly said anything. That was the breaking point for him. And then they start talking about, you know, the kind of symbiotic relationship that the royals have with the press, right? It's kind of like a, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. And Oprah seemed confused about this, which I felt very interesting. Like, how do you not get the relationship between media and celebrity? How do you not understand that, Oprah? (laughs) It's basically a lot of the reason why you're famous, girl. But basically what Harry was saying is, you know, Oprah starts mentioning, you know, the the press will have parties at royal houses. Like, they'll have Christmas parties and they'll have, like, you know, like a correspondence dinner. Like, it's like if they had a correspondence dinner at the White House, right? It's, you're, they're courting the media, the royal family, to have, like, a more favorable um, image within the public. But it's also, like, the press needs them you know with somebody to speak about and it's all this like weird fucked up uh organism that relies upon like everybody being like kind of nice to each other to keep everything afloat megan cuts in and says you know like i get that like i understand how that all works but it went beyond headlines that were catty about me to being racist outright racist and Harry says you know initially my father and my brother and my grandmother were all really supportive until just like a very especially for y'all who watch crown season four shout out to y'all a very like a symbolic moment so Harry and Megan announced that they were pregnant with Archie when they were on a tour in Australia season four of the crown and this and also in real life that it seemed like Harry says that, you know, they were fine. The family was fine and they were nice to her until they had announced that the pregnancy, but also Harry says it was also, they saw how Megan was so well received much like what happened 
after Diana had William, they went on a trip. Everybody, this was like the moment where everybody started really standing Diana and she really made a name for herself as like the people's princess that they saw Megan basically doing the same thing and they didn't like it. And that to me points to a lot of issues with Charles because who would find that more offensive than Charles because Charles is one who didn't like that Diana had that good reputation after her trip to Australia. He's the one who flipped the fuck out because he thought that this was going to be his moment to be um, Prince good boy in the eyes of the Commonwealth. And everybody was like, get out of the way, you ugly motherfucker. Um, Let's talk to this tall drink of water here with the, you know, mushroom cut. Let's talk about that. And he didn't like it. So then Oprah point blank asked Harry if it weren't for Megan and for the things that she went through, would you have ever left the family? And he's like, Megan makes a face like, oof, <laughs> like that's a conversation that I was hoping not to have, but he's like, no, I wouldn't have left. And he says, you know, even if I like, he basically he said like I was trapped, but I didn't know it. I did. I had no idea how trapped I was in this whole situation. So then Oprah's like, but you have lived a life of so much privilege. How is it that you can feel trapped? And maybe this was like another question to me that was like, girl, don't you know the answer to this, ma'am? But I, maybe she was, you know, asking this question for the people who are not scholars of celebrity like I am, right? So he's like, yeah, I mean, obviously I had everything, but, you know, he says, everybody in my family is trapped. Every single one of them he said, you know, my father and my brother, they don't get to leave. And I feel a sense of compassion for them over that because I had the freedom to walk away. So then Oprah asked Harry how he thinks that his mom, Diana, would feel and he said, you know, I think she would probably be really angry about how all of this panned out. But then he reveals that after they announced they were going to be stepping back from the royal duties that he got cut off financially. He's making no money since 2020 from the royal family. He was not prepared for that. He didn't know. He's getting nothing. And... Oprah starts talking about, you know, like the Netflix deals and the Spotify, like when you guys decided to leave, was this part of your plan? And Harry was like, no, not at all. Basically, I'm living off of the inheritance that I got from Diana and we needed money. (laughs) Now, granted, he got millions and millions and millions of dollars from Diana, right? I'm led to believe, shout out to you, Liz Bentley, who I think you tweeted this, said that like, um that because Will was is second in line, that he did not get any money. That basically they broke it down. That Harry was the one who got all the money from Diana, that uh he got all her jewelry and all of that, and that William gets all the money from the crown, from the royal family. And that he gets access to the crown jewels. Harry gets access to Diana's stuff. And so I think she, he got between like 20 and $30 million. Is it, is it a situation where you're like, Oh my God, we need to scramble. 
and, and get a Netflix deal? Obviously not. But like, <laughs> I, I could understand why he would think that, you know. They also mentioned at some point in the interview how Tyler Perry had taken them in, that he let them live in their home for several months when they moved to California and he had um, provided them with security detail. And basically Harry's like, yeah, we never would have been able to afford the security that we needed had we not been able to take these deals. But basically all of this stuff is for them to have the money to get security. And, then says Harry says to Oprah like to talk back about what my mom would think I feel like in a sense that she knew what was going to happen and she set me up financially because of that and Oprah then asks like okay what is your relationship with the family members and Harry starts gushing he says you know my relationship with my grandma like we've talked more in the past, you know, a couple years than we have in my whole life. And he, he seems like he really loves her. Like something in their relationship changed once Megan came on the scene and they really paint her out to be like, like I said, as much as you would think that she would be the upholder of all of these traditions and protocols that like, she's not the issue. Apparently she's very lovely. Apparently she's very warm and she's the kind of grandma that you would want apparently so then oprah says what about your dad is he taking your calls again (laughs) i don't think we meant that to be funny but i laughed (laughs) so harry who i've heard in an interview say he i guess he and william did a diana special a, a few years ago And he said in an interview during that special that he had only cried over his mother's death twice in his life. So to see him, his reaction to Oprah asking um, about Charles, his face gets splotchy. He looks like he's trying not to cry. And he seems very upset by the whole situation. And he's like, yeah, I mean, he's like kind of taking my calls. It just seems like things between them are extremely strained and he says you know things are difficult but we're communicating and I'm hoping that things will get better over time and he says you know there's a lot of hurt that have happened between me and my dad but I still have love for him and she asks about William and his answer was you know I love William to bits and we've been through hell together and Harry says you know my family has a very different experience and that I've had to basically teach them um, a lot through my learned experiences about what goes on with race relations. And he's like, you know, they're, they're in this bubble. It's not even just a bubble of privilege. It's a bubble of isolation that they just genuinely do not know what's going on in the real world and that he's had to like try to attempt to teach them those things. And I thought that was very interesting because basically the whole purpose to me of the Royal family is for them to reach out and do good things and go to these events and go to these hospitals and speak to people who are, you know, commoners and who are poor and who are, you know, disenfranchised in some way, but 
for him to basically just say like, they don't know anything. Like they don't get it. Like everything that they do that you would think would make them make the wheels turn in their mind about how this isn't okay. Like they don't, they don't think about that. But also I wish Oprah had asked like, do you think that they don't think about that or they can't, you know, <laughs> like, because if you really, if, if William really wanted to like sit there, like, and, and go to ayahuasca, go, go to South America, take ayahuasca and really think about his life. <laughs> I think he would have a complete mental breakdown of being like, oh my God, what the fuck did I get born into? What, what am I doing here? What am I doing? So even though earlier in the interview, Megan says, you know, I didn't really want to talk about who said the racist skin color comment. Um, she goes to Harry and says, uh, Megan told me about this comment that happened. Um, so who, who said that? <laughs> and Harry really like, he doesn't, he's like, I, I don't want to say anything about it. Definitely not going to tell you who said it. I'm not going to tell you specifically what was said, but I will tell you that it was a very awkward conversation. And again, I had in my heart of hearts, like I'm 50, 50 William and Harry again, shout out to you, Liz Bentley, that you said that you thought that this was a conversation that happened between William and Charles and that William relayed that information to Harry. And that's, where the, the drama happened. I think that's a very good theory. I, 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 I'm leaning toward it being Charles though. I really think it may have been because what he says was, Oh shit. What did he say? He said something like, Oh God, I can't remember. Oh damn. I really can't remember. But he said something like something, the way he hinted at it made it seem like, the person who had this conversation felt like this was a conversation that would like they would personally have stake in like how it would look. So to me, that makes it think it must be Charles, but it could also be William since he's, you know, who knows if, if uh, Charles is ever going to be King, who knows? Mm. Anyway. Um, so then what happens after that? Okay. So, Hagen, Hagen, Megan and Harry both agree that without question, that if they had had the support that they'd wanted, that they would still be part of the Royal family. And there were parts of it where Megan almost seemed not pissed off, but like she, it, it seemed like she made it seem like her, she really wanted this. Like she was ready to dive into the whole royal thing and that it, she almost at times seemed upset that she was not given that opportunity. Do I think that's a bad thing? No, because if you're going into a situation and you're being treated differently from everybody else, it doesn't really matter what it was that you're losing out on. Like I... I feel like people are going to take her response to like, we want to be Royals. We wanted to do this. We were ready to do this. I was ready to do this, but they didn't support me. 
obviously like those people like you know the fucking pierce morgans and the katie hopkins of the world are going to take that quote or whatever they're going to take that segment of the interview and fucking run with it i know they are because god people are so fucking weird about megan they're so weird about her and it is so rooted in racism and it's weird and in and the british people do this very strange thing of like the very same people who will talk about every little minute thing that Megan does that apparently is so fucking horrible and you know whatever they will also sit there and say that you the UK that England is one of the least racist countries in the world it is nothing like America that we don't have these conversations we don't have these sorts of problems but then they'll be like oh Megan why why did you dare wear red out there you look like a whore Kate it could never. Kate would wear red and she looks like fucking Carmen Sandiego. And look at you. You look like the blood coming out of the elevator during The Shining. Like, it doesn't make any sense. The, this is a conversation that I keep having with people is, why do people not have the same energy for Kate? Kate, who fucking modeled her entire life in order to marry William. Everybody thinks she is fucking great. But here comes along Megan taking a guy who really had never, was never going to have a chance to be king anyway and takes him out of the royal family. And you guys act like she fucking beheaded people outside of Buckingham Palace. It is very weird. It is really, really weird. Harry then goes on to say that he kind of suspected that something was going down the conversations were being had without him with regard to like kicking them out or ousting them when somebody had told Harry, like they had suggested that maybe Megan keep her job as an actress so that she could afford to have security for herself. Can you imagine? <laughs> Can you imagine telling Kate, um, why don't you go work at that party store with your mom? from back in the day so you can you can keep yourself safe that is sick that's absolutely sick so so then Uber comes back and is like about William um I noticed that when I asked how you guys are what your relationship is like you said that you love him a lot and that you've been through things but you did not say what your relationship was so What's tea, girl? <laughs> so Harry says, you know, I, uh, you know, truth and time tells all, basically. He's like, I think we need some, it, we have space from each other right now. But I think with time, those things will heal. And so then Oprah asks Harry, like, when he spoke to the family about being trapped, did he think that in some way that like Megan saved him from a life that he could have gone like a path that he could have down, gone down. And he says, absolutely. I think she saved me from like a real life of misery. And Megan says, you know, I think he saved me. I think he saved all of us. He saved our family. <laughs> I really don't want to go in on her, but I, I just, I have a low tolerance for like corny stuff and it just like, Oh girl. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So that was really it. I, it was a compelling, a very compelling interview. 
Ooh, if you can't find a full stream of it, I'm sure if you just look at like the Oprah, Megan on Harry or Megan and Harry Oprah hashtag on Twitter, you're going to find every clip, every single clip that you need to find. So, um, yeah. What else? Bethany. Ugh. Bethany. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As we all know... When it comes to everyone's business, I like to mention it all, but when it comes to mine, I like to keep things a little bit closer to the chest. But that method doesn't always work when it comes to your mental health, and we all need a way to purge and get it out. Therapy is a safe space to do that and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down by learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everyone's business today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everyone's business. So Bethany decided to open that completely oversized jaw of hers and say she's been having these conversations in which she feels like her opinion about Meghan Markle is so important and that she's really dropping truth bombs here. And she said some shit about how like, oh, you know... What a poor, poor Megan. She, you know, got to marry into the royal family and she got access to the tiaras and, you know, she's unhappy. Like, basically, poor little rich girl. I don't feel any sympathy for her. And then somebody tweeted, like, oh, what about Harry? Like, he didn't want to get out. Like, shouldn't he want to get out? And she said, oh, yeah, like, I completely, I am, I totally understand where Harry's coming from and I totally get it. But, like, Megan's just basically so ungrateful. I don't, I'm not even going to, like, uh, try and find the quotes for what is actually said because it's bullshit it was just bullshit and she tried to do this like hashtag mary as in megan and harry hashtag and like tried to make that threat a trending and then she started talking about you know she got a lot of backlash obviously people were like keep megan's me- name out of your mouth and also how hypocritical it is for you 
Bethany, who stays doing um, grains of rice posts. If you guys don't know what that means, it's like when you go on Instagram and you see that somebody posted 75 times to the point where like those white lines look like little tiny grains of rice. She does it like damn near every day. She has a podcast. She has used to have a radio show. You know, somebody who, you know, I have all Patreon series talking about how Bethany basically is doing all the, was doing all the things that she was calling out uh, Megan for. Oh, you found yourself in a situation where you had it all and somehow you were still happy. You were still unhappy, Bethany. Do you remember that? Because we can talk about it. We can talk about Bethany ever after. We can talk about that boat trip with Dr. Amador. We can talk about that before the boat trip with Dr. Amador, how uh, Jason walked out on you, right? And you had to convince him to come back. <laughs> we can talk about how um, shitty he made you feel. Isn't that the moment where you had it all, where you just sold, scold Sandy girl and gotten married and gotten pregnant and things didn't really turn out the way you hoped? Did they, Bethany? Didn't? Hey, um, you want to talk about your divorce, ma'am? Seems like you're still married to that guy. Should we talk about letting go, Miss Frankel? Do we want to talk about how, um, you've been trying to get headlines off of Megan for the past three years when you revealed that she, that you dated, um, her ex-husband and how basically he turned you down after that? And, uh, you know... I just, the problem with Bethany is that like, we can have these conversations about like, you know, people, not everybody needs to have a, uh, an opinion. Right. But the other thing is like, you need to shut up. <laughs> no, the other thing is that like, she feels like, who, who am I to say that like, you shouldn't have an opinion as I'm sitting here talking for an hour about other people. Right. And then another hour after this. Right. But there's a conversation that needs to be had about discernment and you can have an opinion, but Bethany thinks that she's always right. Bethany thinks that whatever she says was the most correct thing to ever have been said before. And then if anybody ever comes for her, that they just don't get it and that she's right and that they're just being mean and they're their haters and that nobody understands the brilliance that is one Bethany Frankel. But, oh, look who had to turn around after the special and say that it was actually, wow, I can't believe it. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm really like, I've changed my mind. Let me see what she actually said. She said, I watched M and H sit down. Emotional distress and racism must feel suffocating and powerless. I'm a polarizing, unfiltered, often to a fault, flawed person with a voice. When I heard of the interview during a pandemic, it felt like a surprising choice. I'm sorry if it hurt you or offended you. Okay, so now in the initial thing, she says, you know, in initial initial tweets, it, there was no mention of like, how are we, how are they having a sit down interview outdoors, six feet apart from each other in a pandemic? Bethany, please, <laughs> please, you want to make this about the pandemic, girl, girl. Okay, and to say like. You chose this life 
and you chose to bleed out on camera and that's the difference between her and Megan and you know no no <laughs> it, no shut up girl anyway I don't want to talk about Bethany you guys can I talk about how I ran into Kelly Bensimone <laughs> I was, I, wow, I was walking and I was walking to meet up with my friend Lucy because you guys, I made, I made the pasta. I made the feta pasta, but I ordered a feta that was twice as much feta as I needed. So I handed off the rest of my feta to my friend Lucy. We went to flower shop on the walk to flower shop. I look into someone's eyes and I see them smiling and I'm like, bitch, that's Kelly Ben Simone. I was walking a dog. Kelly was walking her dog and Kelly's dog tried to come after my dog, by the way, very poorly behaved, very poorly behaved dog. Anyway, um, the rest of this uh, episode is going to be me and my friend Christy recapping the latest episode of summer house so I hope you guys enjoy it. Thank you so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. I apologize for talking an hour about this interview, but it was really so thrilling and exciting to me. Enjoy the rest of the episode, y'all. I love you. Bye. What do you mean, you guys? You and Kyle. It's a lot of hurtful things that were said. I mean, I think that you've been attacking my relationship and Kyle for a very long time. Honestly, Kyle, you your anger. You miss me and you don't like what's going on with you and Kyle. So don't take it out, out of me. Out of your mind. This whole summer, I've literally been like going out of my way to be like, Kyle and Amanda seem great. But you yelled like it might be okay for you to like talk to Amanda like that, but it's not okay for you to talk to me. And that's when I threw my glass. That was up. I do agree that what you did was f***ed up. Oh, you guys, we're in the midst of another great season of Summer House. Joined with me to talk about the latest episode is my friend Christy. Hello. Kara, hi. Thank you for having me on for the most depressing episode of the season. <laughs> for real. <laughs> I feel like we should just talk about... <clears throat> right off the bat let's not get it out of the way but I feel like we should compartmentalize because the rest of it was just like normal mess whereas this was like real and depressing and just really heartbreaking yes this was this was like what I come to summer house to avoid Uh, right exactly (laughs) I I was under the impression that his brother had passed uh, like later in the year, I didn't know he passed when he was actually in the house. That was truly so awful to have to watch that. Oh my god, I know. I, I I'm a sucker for a like a big man crying like that for some reason, especially if it's like a hard ass like that really just melts me. So yeah, I don't like that feeling, and I don't like <laughs> I don't like sympathizing with Carl because I obviously have a brother who's also an addict and I've had those conversations in my head like about the phone call every time I get a phone call from one of my parents that's like my first assumption sure yeah so like I totally felt like I felt way too much for Carl and I did not care for it (laughs) that is that is fair (laughs) I want to allow you to have that feeling and keep it (laughs) and I honor all of your feelings (laughs) It was so incredibly heartbreaking, especially because Carl had just gotten his shit together and was just like, 
I was hoping that we would have this point where like we would be able to rectify our situation and I'm glad at least that like he was Carl was able to make peace with himself you know yeah right I mean I guess as much as as much as he could yeah I mean his whole like sort of sober thing is very confusing but you know however somebody wants to get sober I guess is their business but I don't really know if that's what he heard that part that was lotion not me sorry um (laughs) uh yeah you're right it's it was it was just so hard it was just so hard and like I'm glad he had Lindsay that he could go to and it was just so seeing Kyle have such a reaction to it was so sad and I just like I feel like I'm I'm liking Carl Carl Kyle more and more me too they're really manipulating us aren't they (laughs) speaking of manipulation I think we have to talk about the Hannah of it all. So I did not talk, because I took last week off, I didn't talk about two episodes ago, but I think we have to like talk about it a little bit because the fight carried on into this episode. So last week we saw them, and by them I mean Hannah, Amanda, and Kyle, get into a fight about cleaning duties within the house, <laughs> And Kyle loses his shit, but then Hannah basically says, you're not going to talk to me the way you speak to to Amanda, which makes Amanda lose her mind. Where, where do you stand? (laughs) Well, I think we have to talk about Hannah as a whole, right? Because did you like Hannah before this? How are you feeling about Hannah? You know, I don't know. I was just actually talking about this with one of my friends this past weekend. I feel like I like the idea of Hannah far more than I actually like Hannah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Same way about um, Gigi and Bella Hadid. Like, yes. I like them in concept, but the execution is a little filmsy for me. Like, I just am not enjoying it, really. Um, Hannah, you're right. Like, she seems good on paper, but yet... We see this, and I was just talking to my friend about this, that I think that Hannah had a plan going into the season, and I don't really think she told anybody what her plan was going to (laughs) be, but it seemed like her plan was like, I'm going to be the star. Right. Yeah. Who was it who said that she's too big for her britches? I feel like that was Paige, which is a a wild thing to say, but coming (laughs) from Paige, but I feel like Hannah... When she first came in, like I liked the, like I said, I liked the idea of her like being this, you know, outspoken feminist. Um, well, you know, as much as you can for being on this vapid show, but you know, she was she was um, athletic. She didn't really care. She was um, more down to earth and didn't seem like she was very like girly or glam, and she didn't care. And she was sexual and was talking about you know hooking up with randoms and. Then mm-hmm. I saw her online presence, and it was like, uh, I, I had to, uh, to quote Meredith Marks, I'm disengaging. Right. <laughs> so her online presence is very like mm-hmm. annoying. I it, it's very annoying. It's very like girl with no job. It's very Ugh. like all of those <laughs> Instagram accounts that I feel like have gotten 
quote unquote canceled over and over and over again. Mostly they steal jokes, but they get away mm-hmm. with it. They're mm-hmm. like accounts that are completely unoriginal. And that was like my first issue with Hannah. The second with is it being that Giggly Squad podcast stuff where Paige was saying stuff about the guy from Bridgerton and about how he's hot because he's light skinned. <laughs> is that- God. A, a thing to say, I guess. And um, um, so it's interesting. I I don't really know. I didn't look too much into that stuff just because I don't know the colorism of it all that's been happening, even like on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Like it's a little too, it's too much. It's a little too deep for me. Like I, it, uh. I like to keep it a little more light and fluffy, which. Coming from someone who, like, loves Vanderpump rules, I don't really know. (laughs) You know. But it just was, I was like, okay, I can't look into this again. Like, I can't look into what's going on with these idiots. And I, like, you know, tried to just see exactly what they said. And it was a little more layered than, you know, than outright some of the shit that's going on in other reality TV universes, like this Bachelor mess. But... It's, it's, I mean, and then we have, like, I, I just don't, I just don't <laughs> I have a time for a Hannah personality in my world. Right. And, like, out, like how, how she had this boyfriend who she's now engaged to before entering into the summer house and then seeing all this drama with Luke and all the tears and there's so much crying that I don't feel is necessary. And did you see the stuff where she was like laughing at Luke and his suicidal attempt? What? No. Yeah. So there was a clip that she went on some, like, I don't know who the fuck this guy is. Some podcast where he has like a, you know, he does like a YouTube version and then the audio version. And this clip is going around where she was talking about Luke and their relationship and how um, she likes broken men and how she knew kind of that it really wasn't going to be anything serious, but they just like, like to flirt with each other and they like to play that game with one another. And then she was like, you know, something about, the guy said something about like mental health and he was, uh, Hannah was like, yeah, he called me one day saying that he was like going to kill himself over his girlfriend. And I was like, Oh, that was like too much for me, bro. And I asked him if he wanted to fuck that night and told him to bring a condom. And then she, the guy was like, did you go over there and try and see him? And she's like, no. And then starts laughing. It's wild. I don't know. Like, the timing of this guy she's engaged to and everything, I feel like there's definitely overlap. Like, I feel like they were already seeing each other. Mm-hmm. So when they went into the house, so if they ended this whole entire plot line last season, I might believe that, because I feel like we've all been there. We've all been gaslit by, like, uh. going into a situation, saying, like, I'm just going to have fun and flirt and fuck and then the guy leads you on like crazy and gaslights you and then you end up looking like a fool. So if yeah. she left it there last summer, I probably would have sympathized with her, but totally. I don't know. Now it's like you're acting one way and then like you're screaming that you just wanted to have fun, but then you're crying all the time about it. So, yeah. It doesn't make sense 
the calendars aren't adding up in my mind and it feels more like you're right like she had an argument at one point but choosing when you're going to be upset about it and having that time be when you're on camera next is not a good look yeah like she she's coming out too hard it's like I feel like there's acting going on on her part definitely and not good no bad acting and that conversation with Amanda at the end was like oh my god I was like what I kind of love when someone thinks that they're the hero on the show and then they get edited (laughs) dirty as hell yeah I I fully agree I feel like this is happening with I don't know if you watch New Jersey but I feel like this is happening with Teresa and everybody coming to the realization that she's like an idiot who doesn't need to be running anything loving to see it but yeah I mean I I'm glad that like nobody's actually picking up what Hannah's putting down because it's like yeah it's embarrassing yeah and god far be it for me to agree with a fucking Aryan <laughs> an Aryan male entrepreneur named Kyle Cook but <laughs> um I kind of believed when, like, I was on the side when he was saying to Sierra, like, she's trying to pull you in on her team because you're the only one who doesn't know her well enough to know that she's being a crazy person. Totally, totally, totally. I, so how are you feeling about Hannah and, not Hannah, but Luke and Sierra? Because that feels like another storyline that may or may not be fake, depending on her relationship with this producer from Summer House that she has been claiming this man she's been claiming on Instagram so I I wonder if like uh, yeah I just I need to know like if she was dating this guy prior to the show if he got her on the show if they started dating after filming and my guesstimate if you will was to see like if she was going to hook up with other people on this cast because it seems like she's turning everybody down Luke. She doesn't really yeah. seem particularly interested in Carl. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. She, I feel like she is not, I, and she's also so young. Isn't she only like 24, 25? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, she is, I feel like, too grounded for the show. I mean, she's too good in every, every way. But I also feel like she's not really gelling with the rest of the cast. And I think it's because she's sane and she's so much younger. Yeah. But totally. I don't know. Like, I think that I'm wa- I keep waiting for her to, like, seamlessly fit in. And, and I don't think that it's happening. And I don't buy her and Luke. And I love that she dismissed him. Like, I don't. It doesn't seem. It seems like she knew, you know, that thread was lost after going to Minnesota or whatever they did like you know with those selfies on the back of his little like clown car motorcycle sure um you know I really don't know I don't know I don't I don't think Luke is going to be with anybody in the house and I think that they're really really editing him to look like a fucking idiot and I'm so glad that Sierra rejected him at the end of this episode Yeah, I mean, his thing seems to be, like, he is kind of subtly, but not that subtly, saying that he feels like Sierra is 
the prize and Hannah's just like friend material, but Oof. Sierra's like beautiful and accomplished and smart. And it's like, yeah, that's true. But also you're not good enough for her either, Luke. Let's be clear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. I mean, it's it's just weird to like, I just really feel the age gap when she, but, she, but at the same time, she's like, world's more mature and level-headed than them but for sure it's it's, I don't know it's odd it's really odd and I guess if she's dating a producer it all makes a lot more sense I don't know how I how I miss this especially because I have no job so I don't know what I'm doing with my time that I'm avoiding all the summer house gossip but (laughs) um so we see Paige go into Amanda and Kyle's room and they're talking about the fight with Hannah And Kyle, yeah, you're right. Like, he clocks this whole situation with Hannah very clearly. He says, you know, after three summers, regardless of what you might think about me or my relationship, like, Amanda has made the decision to be with me. And it's really not any of your business to be, like, dictating whether or not you approve of that. Like, it's, like... We all have that girlfriend, or we have had that girlfriend who's, like, dating that guy that you might not like. But then we all have to come to that conclusion of, like, you can't keep fighting for them to break up because it doesn't get you anywhere. What do you call you know? Yeah, you have to just compartmentalize. Just be like, okay, I don't like the choices my friend's making, but I love my friend, so I'm going to support them. Like, you know, you have to just swallow the fact that you want to say, I told you so. Especially yeah. if, you know, that like they're getting married. It's, you know, party's over. Like, yeah. And honestly, like, it doesn't seem like in the past year, like, I don't know, from what we see of Kyle and Amanda's relationship, it seems like the most mature it's ever been. And like, yeah. they haven't fought that much. So it almost isn't like a, are you seeing things behind the scenes that we're not seeing? And that's why you're so upset. Like, what is really going on there? Or are you just trying to cause drama? And it really feels like she just wants to be on camera. Yeah, I think it's camera time. I think she's just, like, doesn't like Kyle. I think she's just morally opposed to Kyle as a whole. Um, Which, I mean, I am in theory, too. But this is kind of like an everyone's the asshole situation. Like, yeah, I was totally. laughing when Kyle and Amanda were like, we've been so good lately. Like, we've been <laughs> so good. And I'm like guys come on like you act like you've just put three kids through college right like you guys have been together for like what four years like yeah and living together I know it is a it's tough it's an adjustment like a relationship is always work but like I feel like saying like we've been so good lately we've really come through it's like it shouldn't be this much of a slog four years in true Yeah, I mean, they did say in the beginning of the season that, like, moving or, like, living together during the COVID was really tough for them, and they hit, like, a really low moment. But, like, I also feel like Amanda probably doesn't let people like Hannah in. So, like, even if it was bad, she probably, like, Hannah probably wouldn't know, because I feel like Amanda knows better than to tell Hannah that. Right. Right. I agree. I Amanda also, yeah, she's confusing to me because she, when she threw that glass, like, she she will go there, and I kind of love it. But also, 
I'm like, how do you, somebody who sticks up for themselves in that way and for their partner, it doesn't, have we really seen her stand up to her partner? Like, I know that she's definitely whined at Kyle and like cried, but like, I mean, she, that was a quick reaction from her when she threw that glass at Hannah. Like, I loved it. I was so glad it happened, but I'm like, where is this when it comes to the fact that your fiance had to Instagram message somebody to see if they fucked? Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) That was like a true, what a, what a thing to have to do. (laughs) Like, going at this point that this is like the route you need to take like I'm gonna meet up with my girlfriend outside of her office surprise her with flowers and confirm to her that indeed I did not sleep with my friend's sister or whoever it was (laughs) and then I'll propose I'll propose two weeks later and it's all gonna be fine (laughs) they are wild so um yeah, basically Amanda's like, you know, Hannah needs to support my decision to be with Kyle. And at the same time, Hannah and Luke are having a conversation. And Luke says, like, oh, I was going to stand up for you, Hannah. No, you weren't. Right. <laughs> oh, it was going to get physical. No, it wasn't. <laughs> there is nothing less hot than a guy said, I was going to fight somebody, but I really wasn't. Like, thanks, Limp Dick. That doesn't yeah, get me. Yeah, no. Yeah, seriously. And I'm very curious. I feel like something's going on with Luke. Maybe. Oh my God. Remember Jordan? Um, how dare you even ask me a question like that? Of course, <laughs> I think about Jordan like every other day. <laughs> that tiny, tiny man. He, <laughs> he, so I feel like something weird's going on with Luke in the dick department or something. Like, First of all, why didn't he, like, him and Hannah, what, just get together and blow each other? Like, they never fucked? Yeah, I mean, he, she said that he came in her mouth twice. Oh. <laughs> Which, like, okay, you didn't have to say it like that. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I just, ugh. There's something about Luke that I find sexy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, like, I don't feel good about that. No, absolutely not. He is very hot. And I kind of would like him to be clean shaven with long hair all the time because that's when I'm least attracted to him. Okay. And that's, that's where combination. Okay. <laughs> that's where I feel most comfortable about my attraction to him. So Yes, I feel you. I totally feel you. Cause when he has the like stubble short hair thing i'm completely defenseless against that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, he has to look really ugly mm, god bless him uh, he's not I'm, good he's not good at being a fuck boy like he's hot as shit but and he's been like kind of lifted up as this player but i'm like he's really bad at it he's really bad at it and i'm wondering like do we have a use for luke if do we have a use for him on this show? I you know, I don't think so. I in fact, I know that Carl has other friends who are going to be who would be better on the show. Like I think it's time to rotate somebody in who's me- who's more messy in a fun way and not messy in a confusing way like Luke. Like let him just go like make his jewelry and you know, 
go right into the sunset on his moped or you know i he's hot he can he can go in season two of flight attendant and i'll i'll catch him there oh that's right he was on that show was he good uh he literally played guy waking up in the bed and you never hear from him again (laughs) did he have like a speaking role or was it just like looking good um no it was just looking good like so um this Kaylee Cuoco, her character is like a quote-unquote, like, slut. Well, she's actually a raging alcoholic, which is dark, but... um, So she, like, comes home, and, like, there's a guy in her bed, and Luke, whatever character, Luke is like, hey, come to bed. And she's like, no, you can leave. And then I think maybe they text later in one episode, but that's it. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, he's even in her phone phone under, like, hot guy. (laughs) love that for him i really do he gives me like um smith jared from sex in the city like get a get an ad campaign and just like right off into the sunset you're right why can't he get like a cologne cologne ad that's where i want yeah like in like a light wash jeans underwear poking shirt off laying in a corner with like his one hand behind his head exactly exactly So then we get, it's also Lindsay's birthday. And Lindsay, to me, is such a light. And by that I mean that Lindsay is an absolute terror. And I love terrifying women. Oh, gosh. Her chaotic energy is everything. It's so good. And it, it keeps getting more and more elevated every episode this season. And I just love to see it. Like... I would want to be with Lindsay, like, the first, from, like, like an outdoor party from, like, seven to nine, and she's yes. probably so fun, <laughs> and then you could tell she gets that look in her eye, and you know, like, it's time to go. Yeah, no one's, yeah, no one's home. She has... And she's looking so much better than she has been, too. Like, she, I think the first season, she was so stunning. Like, her hair color was normal. You know, she didn't have, like, cheek filler and, you know, probably Botox a little bit. But then, like, with she chopped all the hair and it was ice blonde. I was just like, what's happening here? <laughs> Those crazy boobs. They're, they're so crazy. <laughs> they really <laughs> came out on that episode and my goodness so much talk about her breasts um, that dress that dress <laughs> titties and legs everywhere just <gasps> pulling out at any every second um so steven tells Lindsay that like he's got surprise plans because it's not only her birthday but also the same week of their anniversary mm-hmm. and Lindsay says you know he used to be so romantic stravi but now he Like, he hasn't surprised me since my last birthday. And you can already tell, like, Stravi's already lost. There's nothing that he can do. No. To get out of having this fight tonight. And he has no idea. And that's what I love. There's (laughs) hair on the horizon. And Stravi has no clue. (laughs) Which is why you're in a relationship with a firecracker. How did you not know? (laughs) She has... Is like the most unrealistic expectations, and I love it. I'm so here for her. 
<laughs> they're so like out of proportion. They're they make no sense, and I love every moment of it. And I'm like, yes, girl, you should have everything that you want, <laughs> even though you have not expressed exactly what it is that you want. I want you to have it all, and I want you to have it yesterday, and you deserve it. Like just from being in therapy in general and like talking about relationships, you're one of the like feel like it's pretty well accepted over sane people everywhere that you can't expect someone to read your mind in a relationship. Like that is like rule number one of being healthy mm-hmm. and happy relationship. Mm-hmm. And Lindsay's like, yeah, great. No, I'm taking that, uh, ripping it up and I'm going to put it in the trash. And I want somebody who is going to read my mind, anticipate everything that I want. I need yeah. a great gesture but I don't know what grand gesture I haven't had a surprise since my birthday last year but we've only been together for one year so <laughs> I love it I love it so much yeah it's my happy <laughs> birthday party where was that yeah <laughs> how many half birthday parties have you made for me <laughs> flag day I guess we missed that one <laughs> Um, so gosh, I mean, my God, it's just, she said that she's like looking for Stravi to show his romantic side and to also show the reason why she fell in love with him in the first place. I mean, the hurdles that this four foot seven man are going to have to jump through. (laughs) Just incredible. Just incredible. Um, So then we get back to Hannah and she's basically doing this like silent treatment thing that she did to Luke two episodes with Amanda. She refuses to talk to her. She's acting like Amanda doesn't exist. And Amanda's kind of like Lindsay, but like the nice version of it in that like she, Amanda expects to be treated how she treats other people. And this is why she's always going to end up crying with people like Hannah because Mm -hmm. Clearly, Hannah does not think that she's done anything wrong. She also thinks that Amanda and Kyle are the ones that fucked up, <laughs> which is a crazy thing to say when you basically like diss somebody's entire relationship because you don't want to take the trash out. Oh, God. It was so the tension about the house cleaning thing was just very, I hated watching it. Like, I felt like I was there and I was like, oh. Like delegating chores. It's like, come on, you guys are like mid 30s. Like, just look at her and say, bitch, do your part. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Who would you be in the situation? Would you have been Kyle screaming? Would you have been Hannah who got overly defensive? Oof. It's hard to say. I'm a Gemini. So, very hard to say. Um, No, I feel like I take, I, take criticism very fairly well like I might get defensive but then like I'd be like "Mm, no you're right now that I'm thinking about it I haven't done shit yeah yeah it's oh my god so then Steven shows Danielle this painting that he got what did you think about the painting of a picture that he took from I'm assuming when they were in Italy that's the vibe that she was getting that's the vibe that the painting was giving how would you feel if you got that it was a cute picture, a and I, actually, I feel like I'd like it. And you know why? Because ever since I saw Sonia having a photo of herself 
in her house, like a huge photo of like a boudoir photo. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I want that. And I told my boyfriend that and he was like, no, you don't. You don't even have like three by five photos of us anywhere. Like <laughs> you hate pictures and you hate pictures of yourself. And I was like, okay, fair, but I still want one. Yeah. <laughs> it was, a, it was cute. And I think that it was like, that he should have led with that. That was more romantic than fish and chips. Fish and chips. I mean, that was so funny when I realized what it is that he got. Like, <laughs> it's a cute idea to like, okay, I'm gonna order from the restaurant where I asked you to be my girlfriend from. But mm. the, all this greasy ass food by the pool, where Kyle probably pissed in the lawn somewhere the <laughs> night before. Like, bro. <laughs> And you're right. I think if he had, if he had led with the painting, I think it would have taken her longer to fight him. I think oh, they yeah. into a fight about it, but I think it would have been less chaotic. If he, especially like, he could have been like, "Hey, that you know," I, I hear, giving her the picture, but I'm like. We had so much fun when we went to Italy and I can't wait to have more adventures with you like once we're able to. And I really yeah. wanted to do something extravagant, but you know, because of what is going on in the world right now, like I did the best I could. I got food from where we had, you know, our date where we became official, blah, blah, blah. Like he could have presented yeah. it better, but coming from a man who doesn't even have an office chair, I don't really know. <laughs> No, you're completely right. If he had presented it like, oh, you know, we can't go out and do anything, so I'm going to take these memories of times where we did have special times and, like, try and recreate them, it would have it would have been packaged a lot better. Yeah, and, like, when it comes to Lindsay, just how about some jewelry, bro? Like, you know that just spending a lot of money is, she claims that's not what she wants, but I think that's what she wants. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And even, like, Luke got her a nice bouquet of flowers. Yeah. Like, I think Ravi had some flowers, but it was like, I'm going to take a bouquet that I got from, like, Whole Foods, and I'm going to put four of the flowers over here, and then four of the flowers over there. <laughs> just, like, a real um, budget, budget. And against, like, the backdrop of some, like, lukewarm and also microwaved fish patties. Oh. Not great. Not great. So then we have Amanda goes to Amanda's, excuse me, Amanda goes into Hannah's room to talk to her about why Hannah's been ignoring her all day. So Hannah says, you know, like it was weird because I didn't understand how angry Amanda and Kyle were at me. And it's like, girl, you started it. You made them mad at you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so. Um, and for her, like, do you think that she genuinely does not think that she did anything wrong? Like, do you think that she went into the situation thinking that everybody was going to be on her side? Or do you think, I don't, I, I'm just confused as to what she thought she was going to get out of it. I, honestly, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how she can see it so differently from every other person in the house. Yeah. Like, I don't, the whole thing could have been handled differently. And I feel like after how many like summers in the house with Kyle, you know, that he's like 
he's a he's the chore dictator. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I feel like it's probably pretty easy to get along with Kyle. Like, I wouldn't want to be his friend, but I feel like if you just have a small existence and clean up after yourself and like hand him a lover boy, you're you guys are gonna get along. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem like it takes a whole lot for him. No, and like I don't know, when you're in those situations, like a sharing a house or you have roommates, it's just it's so simple to just if you just eliminate the mess and your own mess before it piles up, everybody's it's easy. Then there's nothing to clean up. Like Yeah. And it's literally like her job is the easiest thing because it's not yeah. like people are just leaving trash on the ground, Hannah. All you have to do is take the bag from one area of the house to another. Right. Like, yeah. The real easiest thing you can do. <laughs> oh, and then showing like everybody else doing stuff except for the girls who their job is to lay in bed all day. I love it. I love the juxtaposition they keep doing. <laughs> Literally on Kyle's on calls all day. And Paige is like, oh, I just posted on Instagram again. I'm done. I'm done for the day. It probably took me from 11.30 when I woke up to 1.30 when I picked out a picture. But I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I love um, it. I love it too. I also love how Kyle's having like a Bethany was skinny girl moment in that like the distribution is not keeping up with Loverboy's demands. He's really going to become like a probably the second most uh, successful person off Bravo. Would you agree? Yeah, honestly, like who else? Who else really has? Well, I don't know. I feel like everybody has like these little projects, but not one big thing that's sustainable in the way that it seems that lover boy is. Yeah. And I have to say their merch is really cute. It is cute. It is cute. And I think that that's like, and I honestly, maybe this is just because we only see a snippet, but I feel like Amanda, like as this person who like designs all that stuff, I feel like Kyle appreciates her as like a business partner. I mean, he should. She's the whole reason any of their shit looks cute, like, uh, social media compliant. Like, good for her. Yeah, for sure. Like, she that's what she went to school for. She's good at it. That's, that's like, even if they broke up, that's a great thing to have on your resume, girl. You've got, like, an established brand that you built from the ground up. Just for her. Oh, yeah, it's great. It's great. Um, so I really like Amanda. I have to say, like, if I had to have a threesome, it would probably be with Carl and Amanda. Do you have any feelings about that? If you had to pick two of the houses to have a threesome with? Do they, Carl and Amanda or Kyle and Amanda? Carl. Yes, I would definitely, no, maybe Luke. Yeah? Amanda, definitely, no, maybe Amanda and Sierra. Okay. Okay. (laughs) You can take all the men out of it. (laughs) And you're right to do it. You're right to do it. I, Luke does give me, uh, you know, now that we know that, like, he really likes to eat pussy, mm-hmm. that, that's really throwing things into the yes category for me. Yes, definitely. I love that. He was raised right. <laughs> um, a Midwest, a Midwest boy after my own heart. <laughs> But I just, I'm just skeptical. I don't know. 
I wish that Sierra wasn't like didn't have self self respect enough to not give details on national TV, but. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. When she said he had a creative creative mind, I felt like that was not a compliment. Yeah, that that really could go one of two ways. Yeah. And I felt <laughs> that she was leaning more towards it was weird. Yes, definitely. Maybe that's why. <laughs> she probably was like, I'm not going to disparage this man on national TV. Not when I look this fucking good. I'm a nurse. I'm hot as hell. Right. Oh, my God. She's truly unbelievably beautiful. She's, like, so beautiful. Yeah. Ugh. So, back to Hannah and, and Amanda. Hannah's, or Amanda's saying, like, the only reason why she threw the glass is because she, Hannah, was talking about her relationship with Kyle. And Amanda says, yeah, that was fucked up. And Hannah was like, yeah, that really was fucked up of you to do that to me. Bitch. <laughs> 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 and that's the point where I would have just had to fight her. You know what? Oh. Like, we're, I'm done. I'm done being nice to you, girl. Absolutely. Uh, Fuck that. So then she, Amanda tells Hannah, like, you need to take accountability for the things that you say. And then Hannah basically is like, well, we're not friends. What? That was so weird and mean. And I really didn't understand it at all. Like, where did that come from? And any sense. No. And like, we're not friends. Like, it's one thing for you to be like, you know, I don't fuck with Kyle. But for her to say that to about her and Amanda, it's like, yeah, you are. What are you talking about? Right. Like, what is that? Didn't make any sense. Paige walks in and Hannah says again, like, I, me and Amanda are not friends with each other. And Amanda was right. She's like, I'm a really good friend to you, Hannah, but you, you know, like, you basically want to break up with me because I called you out for your behavior. And she's totally right. Like, Hannah, I don't want Hannah on the show anymore. <laughs> no, she can go. I, I, I'm fine with Paige and Amanda. They're, but I don't know because I feel like they, if we lose Hannah, we're going to lose Paige. I feel like they're like, you know, a package deal for some reason. Maybe I only think that because they have like a podcast together and they came in together, but I don't, I can't lose Paige. I feel like. I feel like if Hannah were out of the equation, like Paige, I feel like would really thrive on her own. Yeah, I think so too. I don't know if Paige realizes that, but I think she should. No, I don't think about Hannah, honestly. Yeah, I don't think Paige realizes that like she's the kind of reality TV that people love to watch. Like she's self deprecating, she Mm -hmm. is pretty self-aware like she makes fun of herself and what she does for a living you know she is super cute and fun to look at and she you know doesn't she's not for being like a person who's inherently extra and that's why she has the job that she does she's not extra like in the way that Hannah is where it makes you cringe yeah and Paige I've always felt is like way more funny like legitimately funny compared to Hannah like I I don't think Hannah's ever made me laugh no no I don't think so either she's Mm. very like 
uh, everything she does just really makes me cringe. Like when, when Amanda was sitting there working and she was like talking to Sierra on the couch and it was just so, I forget what she said, but it was just, it was so fucking dorky. Like, I don't know what else to say, but it was like so obvious that she was trying to like, just be loud and like have a friendship with Sierra in front of Amanda. And it was like, we know what you're doing. It's so transparent and so (laughs) whack. It's so whack. Kyle, like basically everybody in the house can hear everybody's fights whenever it happens. So Kyle's like, I'm going to stay out of this. But also he's talking to everybody else about how like manipulative (laughs) Hannah is and how she deflects from all the things that she's actually at fault for. And he's like trying to talk to Sierra about it. But Sierra's sort of like, you know, I kind of feel like Carl, excuse me, Kyle's part of this problem and that he should just let the girls figure out their issues with each other and stay out of it. Yeah. Which, I mean, I get the impulse to defend your significant other, but I mean, that's probably right. Like you do need to let them figure it out for themselves, but I don't know. It also heavily involves him because it seems that Hannah's whole issue is their relationship. It's not just Amanda. Right. Mm, dark. Um, I'm kind of on Team Kyle about this, though. I know, me too. I definitely am. I think... Uh, I hate I hate to say I am, but I am. I know. It doesn't feel good to be on this side. But here we are. No, no <laughs> it doesn't. But I, <laughs> Hannah's just too much. You know who... So I watched Real Housewives of Atlanta in college like when it as it was airing because my one roommate was obsessed he would like have a party for it every Sunday or whenever it was on but uh-huh. I've been going back and re-watching and Ken um Hannah kind of reminds me of Kenya like it's it's too much mm-hmm. yeah or I guess yeah. at least for what I'm seeing right now I'm on like end of season seven so it's like three seasons in with her. And I, I mean, she incites a lot of stuff that's fun to watch, but also it's like, we, it's very transparent. It's like, we know that you're stirring the shit up and like her one-liners have gotten a lot more curated lately. Mm. Yep. I don't know. Can we, can you tell me like as somebody, I assume you've watched all of the seasons, right? Cause I'm black. Yeah, I have. <laughs> Well, to be fair, I am like a very disappointed in myself that I haven't kept up because <laughs> I am having the best time watching this show. Like I will laugh out loud and wake up my boyfriend from a deep slumber. <laughs> They're very funny. And I have very complicated feelings about Kenya. Like I'm okay. with you. She does incite a lot of things that are like dramatic and I feel very unnecessary. The thing that I think is interesting about about both of them is that they seem to have been grown up in a way where they didn't have many friends. Mm-hmm. Hannah has these friends like Paige and Amanda to a certain extent now, but I feel like Hannah probably grew up and didn't have a lot of girlfriends. And so she doesn't quite know how to like navigate the intricacies of mm-hmm. girlfriend, girl, girl relationships. Uh, it's just like a very, there's like a, a shorthand, like a different, it's like a different way of navigating people when you're like girl and girl friends. And 
you really have to like have that base. Otherwise, when you become an adult, it just gets really strange. And I feel like that's why they seem very similar to one another. Right. They and I feel like they both kind of um, would liken themselves as girls, girls. But I don't think that yeah. we've seen an example of any of it. Not, not ever. <laughs> not ever once. It, uh, it, it's very strange. It's very, very strange. Um, so, oh gosh. So Amanda starts crying to Paige. And Paige has, you know, like, like you said earlier, that Hannah has gotten too big for her britches. And that's what it made me feel like maybe Paige is realizing that Hannah is just, like, drumming up all this drama for no reason. Like, I feel like that was her way of saying it without, like, breaking the fourth wall. Of, like, I think... Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, and I think that Hannah probably felt how much she was liked coming in, or not even liked, but like how refreshing it was to have her and Paige on the show. Mm-hmm. And I, who who else came in with them? I can't remember, but uh, it was like, was it Jules? Did Jules come in that same time? I think she was the next season because she was like Jordan came back just for like one or two episodes. I think oh, is it Jordan? Yeah. And oh yeah, like, yeah. All three came together. Yeah, because they right. all worked for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. And it's like, so what we liked was like the different energy in the house, but it wasn't Hannah specifically. Yes. Totally. 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 And sh- I hope she realized. I I think. People have been, like, very vocally anti-Hannah, especially in the past couple of weeks. And I hope she knows that. I hope she does. I hope she does, too. Honestly. I would like to see her get knocked down a peg. (laughs) Do you... Did you have any opinion on her engagement? I don't know. No. I mean, it seems very quick. (laughs) Very, very quick. I... uh, Okay. Um, I feel like... This he's is in, going to be a short-lived situation. He's in comedy, right? I mean, that's what he says. Uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> two two comedians what... always works out after being right. engaged, <laughs> getting engaged after like nine months. Okay. Right. <laughs> so Hannah calls her mom because she realizes that she has no allies in the house crying and saying like you know it it feels like everybody in the house is trying to make it seem like I'm a bad person and I feel Mm -hmm. like that's not a sentence that you should think um I feel like that very rarely rarely is actually the truth and maybe look into the mirror (laughs) yes denominator yeah like you're you're projecting Big time, big time. And there's a reason why the person you have to call is your mom. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So then I see Lindsay, who has been trapped, you know, just like shaking her titties to make sure that they're not going to come out for what seems like hours in that bedroom. Um, Stravi goes down to get her. And Lindsay's genuinely acting like she's about to go to prom, like she's about to, like, this is my last moments before I'm an engaged woman. Like, she really thinks she's going to get a ring. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. She should have been more clear, because she kept saying a grand gesture, a grand gesture, and it was like, did you mean some sort of, like, cute romantic situation like we had with Kyle and Amanda, or did she mean, like, a life grand gesture, like engagement or, you know... 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I don't know. Girl, do you really want to get married at the summer house? Or engaged at the summer house? Like, even Kyle knew to get on a boat. Yes. Do you you really want to get engaged next to a fun boy? An inflatable pool unicorn? Like, let's really think about this. And maybe uh, curb our expectations here. (laughs) Right. And, like, you guys were literally just screaming at each other about sandwiches. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Literally. Although it would have been a cute thing if he had made her a sandwich and put the ring in that. Is that crazy? Oh, for sure. <laughs> no, that would have been cute. And like, you know, no, that was, but these people are just not a match. They are not a match at all together. They're not a match at all. It's just wild. Like he doesn't seem to know her at all. Like, how do I know that she's going to get upset before he does? Like, it just doesn't quite make sense to me. I, I really don't know. Um, so Stephen, they sit down and he introduces like, oh, I got you the deal from meal from the restaurant that we had our first date or, you know, our first official let's be boyfriend, girlfriend conversation about. And you could see like Lindsay's face was like, Ugh. <laughs> you gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> She's like disgusted. And Paige says in a confessional, you know, that Lindsay wants everybody to celebrate her birthday in a big way. And the fact that, Stephen, you work in hospitality and you didn't even know that about her means you have an uncomfortable dinner coming your way. <laughs> and this is why Paige is, needs to be on, like, this is, she's the peanut gallery. Right. It's perfect. Yeah, she's, she always has the right take. Completely correct. So, then... Luke wants to speak to Sierra alone because he got, in addition to Hub House, he got Sierra some flowers. And they go out to the front steps. He surprises her, Sierra with these flowers. And Luke is like on some bachelor shit. He's like, I just want you to know that I'm here for you and I'm here for the right reasons. And, you know, like, I really hope that you're not mad at me. And, you know, asking where he thinks that they are, like, where are we? What are we officially conversation? Do you think that Luke has game? No, I don't. (laughs) I don't either. It's sad. And it's, 
it's sad to see like hot guys who have never had to have game like try and spit game because it's really pathetic right and it's not like he's i mean i guess i would prefer his version of pathetic over like a a mean like somebody who's hot who never had to work at it just being mean but no it's it's sad and it's like oh i feel like he feels his only way to be like cemented on the show is to like be romantically attached to someone and it's like well have you seen carl you do not yeah you do not need to be in a relationship truly you truly don't he's gotta like if he wants to stay i just don't feel like he's really friends with anybody no it does not and like carl's nice to him but i don't feel like they have that relationship like a friendship no he doesn't fit in there either for some reason i don't know I mean, I feels like Hannah was his closest friend, but clearly he does not know how to be just her friend. Yeah, I mean, she's clearly written him off the script of their friendship, for sure. And so Sierra basically is like, yeah, thanks for the flowers, but I think we should just be friends. I don't really want to do this. Now, what do you think about her saying that, like, Seeing Luke yell at Hannah really turned her off. Yeah, fair. I mean, I feel like watching him handle that situation and making her cry and, like, I don't know, it being presented to me that he was texting both of them at the same time, I would be like, yeah, no. Like, this is, you've shown me how you are. I'm, I'm all good. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And thank God that she's 24 and she knows that. Oh my god, I know, right? At 24, no, that would not have been my that would not have been my uh reaction at all. At 24, me would have been like, "Okay, let's go to the bushes and you can like bang it out real quick." Like, I would have been like, "Oh my god, you got me lilies, which I actually <laughs> hate and I think they're the worst flower. <laughs> Thank you so much. We're going to be in love forever. Please have sex with me." Oh, for sure. I'd be like, "Oh, a funeral flower pound me, daddy." <laughs> that's what I thought when he ordered the flowers. I was like, oh, that was for Carl, right? Because aren't, isn't that like a morning? Yes. <laughs> well, I think there's like calla lilies and then peace lily. Peace lily is like the um, the regular, you know, when someone passes away, that's usually what if you uh, send like a, if it's not like a spray that goes on the casket yeah. or like a, on a tripod, it's usually peace lilies. So that's uh, all I think. Out. And they smell like even calla lilies. It smells like a funeral home. Oh, I really hate that smell. There's it's nothing so I much. Smell of lilies. <laughs> They're hideous. Um, so thank God, claps to you, Sierra, for turning Luke down. Whether this is because you actually have a boyfriend or not, we love to see it. So Lindsay, meanwhile, is like grimacing <laughs> her way through these fish and chips, <laughs> <laughs> and then. She asks Stephen to explain to her what their relationship timeline means to him. And that's like, okay, if that wasn't evidence number two that you're about to be, honey, you're a danger. <laughs> like, like, explain to me how you see our relationship going is not a great beginning to a question. Because you, you're never going to, it's never going to end well. 
Oh no, no, no. That's a that's a trip. That's a trap. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like okay, because I'm seeing what you're giving me. So why don't you just explain it so I can go the fuck off on you? <laughs> and I don't know. Even just like the way they communicate is so wrong. Yeah, I, like it's just so it's so mismatched. All of it, um, like him being like, I work so hard all week, and it's like to get takeout. Right. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. If he, if he didn't try to make it something it wasn't, I don't know. I feel like he just it. He tried to make it seem like a bigger deal than it was. Like you put it on a tablecloth at a at like a bridge table and <laughs> ordered like I could order anything on Grubhub right now and go pick it up in 20 minutes. I don't really know why you needed to plan that seven days out. Yeah. And also like, if you're going to, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just would have picked something where the meal was a little bit more significant, like romantic, like nice. Like, if you guys are like a fish and chips kind of couple, that's great. But that's clearly not what Lindsay wanted. No, and Lindsay's a birthday girl. Big time. You know, and like, if you got a birthday girl, you have to figure it out. Like, I know it's COVID, but even if, even if you made like, like a rave in the basement, like a, a glow stick party in the basement and like done shots. Like, yeah. You know, you just read the room it's Lindsay. read the room read the room oh my god it was just like I I almost felt a little bit bad for him because I'm like god he really just doesn't know what road he just took himself down but you know what no it was it was a pleasure to watch so Steven says you know like I'm just happy to be together just the two of us and I want to make a better effort to try you know and spend time with you and this is what Lindsay get set off, activated, if you will. She's like, you know what? I appreciate the dinner with the fish and chips. Like, it's wonderful. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And then she's, it's only at this point that Steven is like, oh, I think she might not be happy. <laughs> so then she says, you know, like, I'm happy to be with you, but I have higher expectations for our relationship than just going through the motions. Everybody realizes something is going down with Steven and Lindsay outside. So they go and spy on them from the second floor. And Steven says, you know, you're ruining ruining a great time and saying that they have problems when we don't have problems. And it's like, yeah, you do have problems. She just screamed at you over some boar's head like 48 hours ago, bro. <laughs> That's, yeah. not That's not normal behavior. No, and I, I just love how much everyone in this house, um, will sit there and just blatantly listen to fights and stuff. Like I love a nosy bitch. I'm such a nosy bitch. <laughs> I love how everybody just knows to be quiet. Like you don't have to shush anybody. They're like, oh my god, here's a fight in our upside down mansion. Let's go investigate. I feel like the situation between. Lindsay and Stravi is, like, complicated because part of it is, like, Stravi can't say that, like, our relationship depended on me coming into this house. Like, I really didn't want to do it, but this was, like, the thing that I did for you. 
to make our relationship better. Like he can't say that, but right. that's like what he's trying to say. But for that, it's not like enough for her. And no. again, it's extremely, um, she's very high maintenance, but I love to see it. Yeah, no, she's impossible. And I, I adore her. <laughs> I love that like Danielle's main role for this season is to like try and be a, a hub house translator <laughs> and explain to everybody else what's going on with the relationship between Lindsay and Stravi. It's like she gets it and I appreciate that, but I also forget that she's in the house every single time. Yeah, I think everybody does. <laughs> but I also think that's like kind of iconic. Because, uh-huh. like, if you were getting paid, like, 80 Gs to be in a house for six weeks, and you really don't have to do anything. Like, you don't have to talk and cry and make sure that your nipples aren't hanging out like Lindsay does. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to embarrass yourself. You can just be hot and keep your day job where apparently, like, you do quite well and you're good at it. So, And I saw her boyfriend, who's, like, a chef. And they just moved in together, and it seems like they're doing quite well. Good for her. She is really beautiful. She's very beautiful, and I have to say that Chef is, like, not that... He's not my type. He's, like, a snowboarding, blonde, long hair, that type. Okay, well, if you're you're a chef, I don't care what the fuck you look like. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) The chef part takes him a long way. I mean, he's not unattractive, but he's just not my type. Um, so Danielle is basically like, you know, I, they just don't communicate the right way. Like, it's just not going to work. And Lindsay has all these expectations that, you know, Stravi's never going to leave. So they get into a fight, Lindsay and Steven. And then Steven says that she's ruining a good time. And then she (laughs) said, Steven hasn't done anything romantic for her in a year. And basically she gets up and she's like, oh, so now you've got the girl and you feel like you don't have to do anything. And Mm. I felt like that was a little ugly shaming. I don't know if she meant it that way, but it felt that way. Interesting. I didn't think about it that way. I just really didn't even know what that meant. I mean, I think she just meant like you pulled out all the stops in the beginning, but now that you have me, it's like now you're getting lazy. But also, girl, it is the beginning. It's been a year. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And she has not gotten in a helicopter since then. Hello. (laughs) So Stephen says, you know, like, I'm leaving. He walks out. He tries to slam that sliding glass door, but he can't. The poor dear. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Danielle gets Lindsay and she shows him the painting and Lindsay's like I don't even care you know (laughs) oh yeah like I don't I don't care about this painting anymore um you know she's like I just want to have a guy for the first time in my life um who I don't have to explain things to and it's like okay well girl you're gonna be single for the rest of your life if that's what you're expecting yeah, you need to be in a relationship with a woman then because men do not do that. And I would love that for her. I would love beautiful bisexual or power lesbian Lindsay Hubbard. I like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. I like that actually. 
I would um, like that too. I think that that or I could see her with some cheese dick old rich guy, like somebody who, you know, really puts their money where their mouth is and will like shower her in presence and attention and doesn't really have to work. So like he can just be up her ass all the time. Yeah, she definitely, it seems like she needs a guy who's, like, always around. Like a bow mm-hmm. saucy. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody who will, like, go into her world and not the other way around. Yes, you know? yes. An employee, maybe. Maybe one of her employees. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. So, Danielle says, like, you know... We need to come to the terms with the fact that this relationship between Lindsay and Stravi is not going to work and that Lindsay can't throw a Hail Mary pass that Steven doesn't even know that he's supposed to be catching, which was almost too much of a sports analogy for me to get, but I got it. (laughs) Yeah, no, I know that term. And I know that term mostly from like movies. Yeah, (laughs) not from football at all. Absolutely Um, not. So Steven's like running around getting all his little clothing from the children's place packed up and (laughs) saying, you know, like, I'm not going to get kicked in the dick over and over again. And, you know, it's like, you know, if it's ever about what she needs and what she feels, Lindsay says, like, is it ever about what I need and what I feel? Or is it always about Steven? And it's like, well, I really have not seen you do anything for Steven except yell at him. (laughs) Right. <laughs> I don't I don't know if it's ever not about Lindsay. Like that's that's why we're here. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> Lindsay, then we end the episode just like pure poetry, artistry, as Lindsay's telling Danielle, like, I don't really even care if he leaves, not knowing that Steven was in an Uber and had left. <laughs> he really left, didn't he? <laughs> And she had no idea. I, uh, Lindsay said on Watch What Happens Live that they did not end up officially breaking up until October. Whoa. So I wonder okay. if he comes back. I wonder if he comes back or if he is gone forever. Wow. I. I don't know. I just love that she didn't know that he actually left. Like, so funny. Like, have you ever gotten in a fight with someone and been like, get the fuck out? And then they actually leave and you're like, no, don't leave. Yeah. (laughs) I have tried to do the dramatic thing of like, (laughs) you know, I left something at your apartment. Like, just drop it off. Just like, leave stairs or something and then they'll be like no that's not what I really meant like you have to do this you you have to do the thing we have to do the thing where we have a conversation like that's not what I literally meant okay (laughs) um my god what a light and a treat Lindsay Hubbard is uh I could watch her forever is she gonna be on this winter house I think she is Oh, I cannot wait to see her interact with, like, fucking Craig. Oh, my God. I know Paige definitely is an Amanda, but maybe maybe Lindsay isn't. Is Hannah not? Because I would love that. She is not. Oh, my God. Somebody's listening up there. 
So it looks like, yeah, she is. So it's going to be Kyle, Amanda, Paige, Lindsay, Sierra, Craig, and Austin. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Do you watch Southern Charm? Oh, my God, of course. I love Craig. I'm just, Craig, well, Craig really lost me at the reunion. Well, first of all, he was so fucking drunk. Yeah, Craig lost himself at the reunion. <laughs> but Craig, like, Craig gets me every time. Like, he is so fucking hot. I. He's uh, a real cutie. He's a real cute. Those dimples really go a long way. Oh, my gosh. And his crinkly eyes. Like, I love that his eyes disappear when he smiles. And I feel like at his core, beneath all this shit and beneath, like, you know, the bravado he always feels like he has to put on. I feel like he's a sensitive little guy. I think Craig makes sense like 80% of the time. Mm-hmm. It's other time where I'm just really like, he loses me. But I think if Craig hung out with people who were like smarter and more liberal than the castmates of Southern Charm, I think we would see a real... A real emancipation of Craggy, if you will. Yes, I was just going to say, I feel like the pe- the company he keeps, that's his downfall. Yeah, for like sure. If he was just around like all women, I feel like he would really shine. I would honestly love to see Craig move to New York and be in the summer house. Yeah, me too. I feel like he, he could really probably go both ways because he's from isn't he from the new england area yeah he's from like rhode island or something i don't know like that okay yeah i yeah he needs to get away from austin that demon and fucking shep yeah and and i feel like he he could be okay like he gives me um I felt I don't really feel this way anymore about Tom Schwartz, but that's how I did feel. I was like, I feel like if you put him, Tom Schwartz, in a different situation, he's redeemable. Like, I feel like if he stayed, if he married somebody in, where is he from? Florida, Minnesota, both? Yeah. <laughs> if he went and married somebody in, you know, the Midwest, came a young dad had a couple of neighbors who were like cool young dads too. got a regular like corporate America job. Like, I don't think he would be such a fucking monster. I don't think so either. He's got too much free time to drink. And I think yes. that's a really big problem, <laughs> a real big problem for, for, uh, yeah, Tom. Uh, unfortunately, I go ahead. Oh, I was just going to get really dark and say that, like, of the people I think from Bravo who might die, I, Tom has been at the top of my list for years now. Yes. No, I agree with you. He always looks unwell. Like, yeah. he always just looks bloated, swollen. I could see that. I could see that. I could see him, like, taking, like, a fatal dose of fentanyl. Exactly. Exactly. Which I think I think that's an oxymoron, because I feel like it's always fatal, but... Um, Um, I listened to um, this past week on a walk when I was out of material I listened to Katie's podcast with um, she had Schwartz on and it was only like a half an hour so it was like a perfect like just like a peek into the darkness okay go ahead Um, 
they were fine. Like they were actually, dare I say, like a, a whisper of cute. Interesting. I mean, if you have, you know, need something to listen to, but you don't want to pay attention for 30 minutes, like on a walk or something. I mean, it was definitely a different um, look into their dynamic that I haven't really seen before. Because anytime I've heard them do stuff together, it's always just so tense and like obvious these two people hate each other. And I didn't really get that vibe. But it could be that I've had like a nice, healthy break from those monsters on Vanderpump. So... Yeah, how are you feeling about, like, have you made peace with there being potentially no more Vanderpump? Do you want it back? How are you feeling? Um, I feel like I'm okay with it not coming back. I, I really missed it, but I think t- enough time has elapsed now that I'm like, okay. Um, yeah. I would prefer, I'm sure this has been stated several times, and that's where I'm getting it, but, like, for Tom and Ariana to kind of shift into the Lisa and Ken and like, mm-hmm. you know, be the, be the, you know, the matriarchs of uh, the world that, you know, whatever's left of Lisa's restaurants. But I feel like there's so, there's so many good characters who aren't on the show who work at both restaurants, but like we could really have something. And like, from what I've heard from everybody who lives in LA, like there's a, a diverse cast waiting to be on the show. Like yeah. it was a, it was a choice to make it that fucking cream cheese. <laughs> yeah. I think you're totally right. It's um, yeah, it's a, a real choice. And I would, I think you have a good idea. I would like to see, Tom and Ariana be like the head of something. And I heard that both Toms were supposed to be going to the winter house, but they didn't want to leave Ariana and Katie. Interesting. Yeah. I, I'm just, I'm not ready to be done with Tom Sandoval on my TV. Agreed. Um, I'm like, I, I don't need Lisa to ever be on it again. I am looking forward to that Vanderpump dog show. I will say because they're so fucking messy. I can't wait. <laughs> is that going to peacock yes i think so okay well interesting uh, well thank you for talking to me about this episode of summer house we'll have to have you come back on and we'll talk about married at first sight at some point <sighs> yes definitely i know anytime especially now i literally have nothing but time on my hands and i think tonight i'm gonna start and I would implore you to join me watching the new season of Married at First Sight Australia because it looks okay. Dark. Yeah, I, I people keep telling me to watch it, and so yeah, maybe I'll watch episode one tonight. You've convinced me. I'll do it. It. I'm. T- I watched last season, and it was good. They these people like live together, and they have to be around each other, and they fight, and it's wonderful. That's what I hear that they have to like meet up with each other once a week or something. It's like a whole thing. But I'm I, yeah, I'll I'll check it out for sure. Yes. Do you able to find you anywhere? Um, sure. I mean, my uh, Instagram lately is nothing but my cat. But that's really all I got going on. But it, I I don't even know. I think it's Christy Swy. Yes, it's <laughs> <is> my handle. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much. This was a pleasure as always. Thank you for having me, Kara. Have a good one. All right, bye.